at Jared. We know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving week, indeed. There is nothing going on with Syracuse football because we decided to kill the program after the Clemson game. Yep, not, not, a, not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people have seen the, the, the angry tweets, the angry articles, um, it's a different type of anger than it was the last time I feel like we were angry about this program, though. Um, this time is more of a frustration and a, like, let's just get out of our own way thing versus last time uh, back in 2015 when it was a, God damn it, we're back at the G-Rob years and there's no reason for this. Yeah, I, I talked about it a little bit on Twitter after the game. A, I think, I think frustration is certainly understandable. Like, I, I don't think anyone who's, like, really, really angry about... Um, just this slide that feels so much like 2011 um, and just the inability for the team to put together a complete game. Uh, and then like, the last two games have just been horrid um, or last game and a half have been horrid. The first, first half awake was, was pretty delightful. Most of it. Um, but so I, I totally get that. And I think like some indignation over, over the play of the team recently is understandable. Um, I also think that, it's hard for fans to differentiate between like eras of this team. So and and not to like, you know, bring everything back to like, you know, Schaefer and then you even brought up G Rob and you know, th- this all seems to like roll together. But for us fans, like we've been rooting for the same program this entire stretch versus like, you know, the Babers coaching staff took, came in with limited knowledge of the program. They didn't have the emotional baggage of the three years prior. Um, so he's kind of like paying for the sins of the Stott Schaefer regime, which came in with, like, you know, a bowl team and then made a bowl in year one, and then things slid. Babers, you know, it's only year two, and obviously he's not going to go to a bowl this year unless, like, a bunch of teams somehow have, like, horrid a- APRs. I think that's at this point, it's pretty much out of the question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Chris Carlson looked into it, and it just, I know, like, Hoya Sucks looked into it a couple weeks ago, and I think it's only gotten worse from there, because, like, more teams have, I think right now, 70 teams are already bowl eligible. Yeah, so it, it's just, like, I can't even imagine a situation in which it happens. Right. So there's a difference between being like year two. Like if, if Doug Marone had not made a bowl in year two, it might have like actually made this easier for us because a, he did it and B like, it's not just year two of no bowl for, for, for us. It's year uh, four and it's, you know, five and six. And then like D-Rob wasn't that long ago. So all this stuff is kind of rolled together. So the fact that we haven't built a, a you know, we haven't made two bowls in a row since, you know, God knows when. It, uh, it makes it tough to, like, sit through, like, oh, this is still year two of a rebuild when, you know, it, it's hard to be patient. So I get that. I think, like, the he's clearly not the right man of the, for the program. Like, we're, we're still not there yet. We need to – we have a lot more information to gather. And we there have still been more high notes than we've had under some of the last couple coaches. Like, you, you can kind of see, you know, and it's a little easier to see after the Clemson game. You're quite, it's, you can kind of see where things could go on a week by week basis, even if like you know the consistency isn't there. And obviously, Babers made his comments today, 
and you know it's easy to say, but it, it it's very frustrating because like the team for the first I probably the first time I can remember under Babers like the, especially on defense just did not look like it like came to play at all. Yeah, I think the last you know six quarters have been kind of just as you said the kind of ghastly football like when you have a team that's allowed what. Uh, 96 points basically been outscored 96 to 13 in the last six quarters like that's big no 96 to 18 sorry i gave, gave them a little less credit i guess than they deserved um is not really acceptable especially in conference play against a not good louisville team and a very bad louisville defense um and a good but not great wake forest team that we easily could have beaten um it's definitely tough to stomach uh, for everybody it doesn't really matter you know for for just those those six quarters at least it doesn't matter whether you started watching this team six weeks ago six years ago or six decades ago like watching that trans uh, you know just kind of go through is is just not really something that people can can stomach and I totally get that and, and I agree I mean I was pretty vocal during the games myself of just you know feeling embarrassed for this defense and wondering what the hell happened and I think you know we talked about it last week too there's there's definitely questions to ask there. Um, I think what, what Babers struggles with, and it's odd because I know I mentioned this in the article today, like he did court the attention and courted the, the, the narrative of at least slight resurgence or at least like somewhat of it, if not all of it. You know, Doug Marone's tenure was an average tenure marked by some really nice blips. Scott Schaefer was a one-note tenure um, that, that really never got past neutral. Um, and some of that's injury related, some of that's personality related, I think. But nonetheless, like you can see how that happens. Greg Robinson's was a, a, a tenure stuck in reverse, um, other than the fluke Notre Dame win toward the end. Um, and you can chalk that up to whatever you want to. Um, this, on the other hand, like Babers has already shown us what the the, the highest highs look like um, against Clemson, against Virginia Tech the last two years, and and, and that I think is what. I'm not saying he shouldn't have won those games. He should have very much won those games. But I think if you're a coach who can pull off one of those a year, you do need to deal with the repercussions of that if you can't deliver on the rest of the stuff. And and it's not that I don't think he can eventually. I think that maybe the team he has in place right now can't deliver consistently enough. And, you know, maybe he needs to temper expectations more and, and, and take a little bit more of a Bayheim tact when it comes to kind of keeping everybody in check and keeping everybody, you know, a little more level-headed. But if you're going to embrace those wins and you're going to embrace the, the positive momentum and the positive attitude that they can bring and seem like he did, then you have to accept kind of, you know, the, the other side of that coin. And it's not to bemoan him. It's not to say that he, he's a bad coach or a bad guy. It's just to say that understand that, that, you know, success breeds a certain amount of expectation after a certain time and for a fan base starved for wins – and you could look around the country and find plenty of other programs that have done this uh, where they've been able to jump up and bite somebody, you know, every once in a while, but just never put it together. I think like Iowa State under Paul Rhodes is another great example of that. Um, you know, they had, uh, you know, an expectation about them that was slightly warranted for a little while and then definitely not toward the end. Uh, just being able to jump up and bite better teams, whether it was in Ames or elsewhere, like other programs around the country have been able to do the same thing. Like he, he's in very early, and I think it's a little early for him to kind of take the community or the media to task about expectations. Um, nonetheless, I'm willing to look past this as a as a blip, 
just like the last few games of this season have been a blip in my mind, and we'll see next year, I think, hopefully, um, whether these things can start to kind of, you know, congeal under under Baber's larger vision, and hopefully, you know, with a, with a few less injuries. Yeah, and, and, like, over here, like, no one's falling for him to be fired. I've seen a little bit of that, but, like, I think it's just mostly, you know, impatient frustration, which I get to a point. But at the same time, like, you have to understand, I, I think it would be nice for Babers to, like, see where we're coming from a little bit because it hasn't just again it's not just year two for us it's you know for me it's year my ninth year rooting for Syracuse football um most of them are very bad yeah. <laughs> and this year while having probably the signature moment um of my fandom with the Clemson win like I don't think anything's gonna take that that individually away like I just have family come in from Atlanta and they're not talking about Syracuse being not bowl eligible they're like how about that Clemson team that happened like a month ago so um it, so I I think we just all need to like take a step back. Hopefully we can go beat Boston College and kind of ride out uh, nice. on a high note here um, and get to five and seven, which would be a nice you know a legitimate step forward at least in From a math perspective. You know, the win column. Yeah, people and, just people and, just need that that plus one scenario that at least tells them you know and because I I said this during the the uh, the stupid rain lightning delay, like the the issue for this team now is, is the nuance factor for casual fans like four and oh, eight i mean that's just always gonna be an issue well yeah no, <laughs> nuance, it's is not... oh, nuance is not our specialty but like four and eight plus four and eight plus four and eight equals stagnant stagnancy to anyone to anyone looking at the program without watching every game and and it would behoove babers to win this game by any means necessary if only so that people could see oh four and eight then five and seven okay we're moving in the right direction even if you and I and a lot of other people and most of the people listening to this podcast know that we have been moving in the right direction. Yeah. And then we can, you know, spend the offseason kind of like kvetching over, oh, we could have beaten, you know, these five other teams that we lost by one store to. Um, but at least it would be like a, you know, plus one in the win column over last year. Um, and you could always say, you know, Dungey got hurt. And obviously, maybe we would have beaten Wake with Dungey. I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I don't think we were going to beat Louisville with Dungey no. with what our defense, how our defense performed unless he's, like, way more important to this team than we even think, and we think he's pretty important. Um, well, the one thing with the, Louisville is that because the offense wasn't doing anything, it was giving the ball back to Louisville quicker. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't, definitely don't think it helped, but I, I can't imagine a scenario which Dungey was so right. good where... We were going to score yeah. 63 points. Right. And that's, that's, also, that's also very... I, I'm worried... Um, I saw some former, I think Julian said something, and then I saw, like, Andrew Lewis and a couple other former players complaining about the tougher two. I don't know enough about, like, the ins and outs of that defense to know, but I'm kind of worried now with, with you know, basically three, uh, seven of the last eight quarters, because the first quarter Wake Forest did whatever it wanted to, and it right. wasn't until we kind of moved out of our base defense that that changed. Um, I'm a little worried that we're kind of getting figured out on that end after, you know, a really solid first uh two and a half months of the season in it. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a, a more lingering concern. And I do wonder, I don't think we're going to fire anyone in the staff because like overall, like the defense had been such a bright spot for most of the year. Um, but I do wonder if we need to like take another look at, at exactly how we're running this thing, because like clearly we've just gotten throttled the last two games by, you know, weight's a very good team. Um, they beat NC state this weekend. If I'm remembering correctly. Yep. Um, yeah, they're good. Like they're legit good. Um, Louisville is, you know, they're not like we, we kind of 
you know, made fun of Louisville for how they performed, but they, they, like that's on the scale of having an unbelievable college quarterback. Like you should be better. They still have like a lot of talent. Um, so it wasn't like we were getting blown out by you know the sisters of the poor. Still, like this is this team based on how it played through September and October on defense should not have been giving up sixty points in these games. So no, and, and to be um, honest, like the personnel hasn't changed enough to me, like through injuries or whatever, like. You know, I know some have pegged it on Jordan Martin's absence, and, like, I just don't buy it. Like, because he didn't play in several games where the defense was still playing well, or well enough, at least. And maybe it's because Miami's offense isn't that explosive, or because Florida State's offense isn't that explosive, um, or Clemson's wasn't without Kelly Bryant. Like, whatever. The defensive stuff is is, is going to plague this this team, this fan base, for the entire summer. Uh, well, not summer. Oh, yeah, I guess winter and summer. Um as we kind of look at what went wrong and reassess, like I don't necessarily know what tethers Babers to the Tampa two the way it does because it's like I mean Baylor doesn't run a Tampa two right and like or did yeah it's kind of a unique it's not a unique concept for college like there aren't I mean I, I don't have the numbers in front of me but I don't think there are that many programs out there running the Tampa two well because it was figured out a while ago I mean until. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll helped like usher it back into uh, some popularity, you know, in Seattle. And then that's kind of, I think it's bled through a little bit to teams like Jacksonville and Tampa Bay is they kind of readopted it at the pro level. Like Tampa two is not necessarily a scheme that works unless you have like really good cover guys. And I just don't know if we're ever going to get those like enough elite cover guys to make it happen. And and then this is, you know, like I, I definitely talked to Julian more about this, to be honest, um, over either of us or most of the other fans or, or writers, just because I think he he would know a little bit better. But he he's made his you know feelings known on the the subject that he's not a big fan of it. But I, yeah, I would wonder, like the fact that in the last what seven years now at the pro or college level, the only place that's really worked super well is Seattle. And like you look at what made up that defense for a large majority of that time, like. Maybe it's time to embrace, like, I don't know what exactly, but maybe embrace something that's, like, not exactly what Schaefer did, but something something that emphasizes coverage while still managing a pass rush, and maybe that's the weird hybrid that we had earlier in the year, but that still can't leave the middle of the field open the way we've seen the last two weeks. Yeah, I think the only thing that we really have that, like, the cover two is built for is we have really good outside linebacker play. Um, our defensive backs, while I think they approve for most of the season, are still not good enough. Like, it's not the college level of what Seattle's running out there with, or, you know, even a couple of years ago when they had, you know, four Pro Bowl level, level defensive backs. And then, to be honest, like, I think I love Zaire Franklin and what he's meant to this program. I don't know that he has the great coverage skills to be uh, a great Tampa team middle linebacker. He's been, you know, he's been good. But, you know, we've seen him in coverage and exposed. And then you have mishaps like um the coverage getting uh i mean I, it was total steam play where they got that one-on-one between uh bonifin and uh i forget what defensive end it was um but it really doesn't matter like any defensive end covering reggie bonifin in the flat right. with no help gonna uh, is gonna be a disaster and it was so like clearly I, I think there was a serious schematic problem that the last two teams have really figured out um and it helps that they have they have both mobile quarterbacks obviously jackson's like a rare you're not gonna see a quarterback like that ever um, but even Walford is not like, you know, he's not all world running. He's an effective runner. Um, but that's not his, like, you know, that's not what your, your, the headline is with him. 
So that has me concerned. Uh, I imagine after however many points it's been through the last two weeks that it's you know it's not a secret. So hopefully we see some some shifts here before the BC game because obviously we want to still want to win that, um, which is an interesting game now. I think Brown is still out, right? He's he's yeah. Not Brown playing. Brown's out for the season, and like Darius Wade has proven he sucks. But the problem is like they still the running games the running game's great. They still beat you know AJ Dillon is is just you know your your Andre Williams type like. Name any BC running back who's been very effective over the last fifteen years, and and, and he's just a you know a, a successor to that kind of tradition, the type of tradition Syracuse should really have, um, and hasn't uh, of late um, at the running back spot. I think the running game is making up for lack of passing game there, and I, I'm very concerned for this game because like Wade doesn't. Wade's proven, and, and I think just BC's proven in general with much of this staff, that like they don't really have to do much in the passing game to almost or, or just flat out beat us. Um, I think this defense being exposed the way it has, like even against a less than elite quarterback this week for the first time in a few weeks, I'm not really sure what else. The last two weeks have shown that we didn't really have much of a game plan going in, or at least a, an effective one, and then we never really were able to adjust on the defensive side. Um I would say that, like Louisville and Wake are definitely a step back at, at, at minimum from what BC can do on defense. Um, so I, I am very concerned that you know I mean Dungey's not going to play. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, he he's not going to play, and, and even if he can, I don't know what. Like if if Dungey can go at eighty percent, I don't even know if you bother starting him. I think he does go with Culpepper. Um, I know a lot of people hated what he the work he put in at the end of last game, or at least like the last half or so of the last game. I think if he worked with the ones most of this week, I'd like to see some of him. You're going to see more Mackenzie Pierre because I would bet Dante Strickland's out. Um, you're definitely going to see plenty of, you know, or Phillips and Steve Ishmael, but I would hope that the offense at least has something to combat uh, this defense because, often, like just because, you know, we were just talking about how the defense has been figured out. I would worry that elements of this offense have been figured out without Dungey, um, showing that you know maybe and I know you said this on Twitter. Um, this kind of gives a little less, a lot less credence to the you know Dungey's made who he is by the system, folks. But the problem is, if Dungey makes a lot of the system, then what happens to all the progress we made when Dungey leaves? Yeah, it's a bit of a concern. I'm not, I'm not super worried about the system overall, just because it's worked elsewhere. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's not like this is the first year the Babers the head coach. So it's worked elsewhere. Um, there are other versions of it out there working. So I'm not worried about the system in a nutshell. I more meant that, like, it was very easy to say, oh, Dungey's putting up these crazy numbers because he's playing in this in this team. Uh, Eric Dungey's just really good. Um, he's not unconventional in his in the way he gets there, but he's just a really, really good player. Um, so, like you said, it's not going to be automatic where, oh, you know, the last two times we plugged in Mahoney, he's put up great numbers too. Obviously, he did last against Pitt, and then then you know, the first half against uh, Wake was great. But um, he just he just did not have it in Louisville. Um, yeah, I take back everything I said last week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it didn't, that did not age well. If anyone's a week behind on the podcast and wants to sit through a Louisville preview for some reason, don't do that. Um, apologies. <laughs> um, I agree with you on Culpepper. Um, I don't think that he's going to be the... I mean, I assume that DeVito is going to be the next guy up after Dungy, and next DeVito will be the number two. Um, but 
you know, Culpepper has a future in this program. Who knows how long it is or whatever. Uh, Mahoney, while I think we appreciate, you know, what he's been and, you know, being a popular teammate and a, a really good good trooper this whole time, no pun intended with his nickname, um, there's no, like, real future. I mean, it's his last game. It wouldn't be there's fine. No, to get, yeah, like, there's no benefit snaps. other than him yeah, being I don't, on the field. Actually, I wouldn't even mind him starting the game, getting some, ra- you know, getting some PT because it's senior day. Um, that's fine. In the Bayheim Center Culpepper, treatment? Yeah, right. Like, Put him for a couple drives. You know, maybe if they're winning, leave him in for a bit. But Culpepper, if you're going to try to develop a little bit here, Culpepper should be getting snaps. Um, I would like to see more Martins Pierre. Uh, obviously, if Strickland's out, like, Mo Neal looked really good against Louisville. Oh, he, looked, um, he was maybe, like, the only bright side. He looked great, and, like, it's funny, too, because, like, we've kind of been asking here and there about Neal, but I think we thought that he wasn't a strong enough runner to be able to be in every down back. And then, like, the Louisville uh, Q&A... Uh, Keith Wynn over there was that like the first thing he asked me was like why aren't you guys using Moniel more? That yeah, I mean he's he's been probably our most effective running back just running the ball all year. Also, again, like despite the score, the offensive line I still think has gotten a lot better. Um, I know it got ugly in some passing downs, but like there were big holes, and I know Louisville's front's not great and they've had problems, but offensive line like if you can point to you know as bad as this end of the season is. All of the line play has gotten a lot better, and that should pay dividends going forward because these guys are all back. Well, it should, for, yeah. Uh, and, right. It should. And then we also have, like, I think there's going to be some shifts. I think we see maybe, like, you know, Cervase wasn't supposed to be a center, and I think that, you know, that was kind of not, not a square peg for a round hole, but it was definitely a bit of a, a forced kind of marriage there based on need. Um, right. You obviously have, like, great players coming in. I think center, though, I'm concerned that the, the only answer there is probably Samson, and that probably means we're waiting two years. You don't want to plug years. him in as a no. freshman if you can avoid it. Yeah, you absolutely don't, especially facing a team like Notre Dame next year, um, among others. Not exactly, uh, you know, my kind of go-to there. Um, the one thing that I know we talked about this a little bit, like, quick release is really when this offense works best, and, and as much as... You know, we've hammered the offensive line for not being great this year. I also think part of it's just a, a product of, you know, how, how Dungy runs things. It's not to hammer him. Obviously, he's, you know, really is the most important player on the team. But you do notice him holding onto the ball more and more um, as the season wears on. He did it last year as well. Um, and the more he holds onto the ball, the more he takes hits and or the more he runs. Um, so you can only you can only ask. I mean, a buddy of mine was here a couple weeks ago during the Florida State game, and like he doesn't watch college football at all. He's an NFL fan only. But the first thing he said about Dungy was, "Why is he hold, holding onto the ball so long?" Like, and that's him, like you know, sight unseen, not really knowing what he was going to be watching going into it. Um, and, and I would agree there. I think the offensive line, while it should take some flack for for some of the efforts this year. Um, can't be held accountable for, you know, holding onto the ball too long in an offense that's supposed to be all about, you know, quick release, find your read, and, and then move on. Yeah, and then there's definitely, like, late, later in games when we get down, like, you definitely see more of that, where, um, aside from the amazing stat that we throw an interception, uh, I think it's, what, five weeks in a row in our first drive? Yeah. <laughs> Which is just, <laughs> it's just so stupid and remarkable. Greg Paulus didn't um, even do that. No, he just threw them all against USF. Um <laughs> Yeah, aside from that, but, like, you do see earlier in the game when things are less dire and when the offense is most effective, there seems to be more of a rhythm, whereas, like, in desperation time, you see Dungy, like, improvising more, and that works in a lot of ways, but you also see him holding onto the ball, looking for, for deeper reads, um, and, you know, trying to make, make you know, more plays like that happen. And, you know, while that can lead to some fun runs and picking up, like, big third and longs uh, with his legs, 
there's also like you don't know what he's you know if there are things that he's missing down uh, for you know intermediate deans. I still yeah I would love to see the all twenty two on this team in general. I was actually talking to uh, to Seth Goldberg and he was saying he might ask uh, ask Wild Hack about it and like just use like ESPN three as kind of like see if you could talk to ACC about housing all twenty twos there because why not? If the ACC network's going to be uh, have a lot to, lot of stuff going on in Newhouse, like maybe we can rig up a. I mean, it should be easier at the dome than most other places to rig up an all twenty two camera. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I would love that just from a like I don't need to sit down with the with the film every game, but like for the plays that you and I have been talking about for weeks now, of like hey, like I saw him go deep three times and it seemed nonsensical. Let's <laughs> the, find out. The who Mahoney, actually was. The Mahoney Hail Mary plays. <laughs> uh. Which we saw not in a row. We saw a number of of this week too, and it's like, man, please just (laughs) just check down somewhere. It's funny because like you always hear complaints about Porter Pets checking down. I wish Zach Mahoney checked down more. (laughs) He just he just lets it fly, man, and he does not have the touch. And And also, this week he was throwing to like. Like, last week, they were all one-on-one coverage. Right. This week, he was starting to, like, double coverage. Yeah. Like, this week, they were just bad reads, and you're just like, you know, F it, we're going deep. Like, I think it was well... fine, Ishmael. I think he got nervous, and he looked for wherever Ishmael was, and it's like, this is my best shot. I'm going to see if he can go get it. Ishmael was frustrated as hell. This oh, week. yeah, he was in pretty chippy. He was pretty chippy. I mean, I'd be pretty chippy if I were him, but, like, I mean, four years in no bowl game when you've been one of the best receivers you've ever had, that's aggravating. Um I know he didn't get the uh, Blitnikoff uh, finalist nod today, which is a bummer. But I kind of figured that after. I don't. Th- I didn't think he was going to get it anyway, just by way of win loss uh, record, because that should has nothing to do with a wide receiver. But whatever. Um, I figured that was going to happen even win loss. But then after he was largely kind of shut down um, by not necessarily many faults of his own um, against Louisville, it, it kind of seemed like that was a, a virtual guarantee. Yeah, Mahoney just doesn't have the same uh, like repartee with him that that Dungey does. Like Dungey clearly built a very very effective connection with him, and you know you see that with quarterback receiver combo uh, combos a lot. Like as a Packers fan, like when Rodgers and Nelson played, Jordy Nelson played together, it's like like they're speaking a different language from everyone else. And then you obviously Brett Hundley's not Aaron Rodgers, but like you just it, whenever there's another quarterback in, or or even when when uh, Jordy's out, like you just don't have the same the same flow and the same, like, they know each other's tendencies so well. And I don't think that Dungey and Ishmael were on that level, but they definitely had something where, where they just had a really good sense of, of how each other worked. Oh, 100%. Um, and unfortunately, we're saying this in the past tense, because I really do not think Eric Dungey's playing this ooh. weekend. And if he's not 100, if he's not like 1,000%, he should not play. So we'll see. I would agree. Um you know, why don't we go a little halftime, and then later on we can kind of go back to predictions on this one. Um, I think we need a I think we need a breather from football before I before I hurt somebody. <laughs> um, That's so, fine with me. Yeah, Dan, what have uh, what have you been drinking? Um, I actually apparently had no new stuff this past week, which is unfortunate. Uh, I thought I had had uh, some things, but I, I really just, uh, stuck with like some, some regulars. So nothing, nothing really exciting to report from this end, but that'll change this week. Cause I know with Thanksgiving here, like a bunch of people from home will have brought down stuff. Uh, I think hopefully some stuff from like Treehouse, which uh, my friends throw to a decent amount up in mass. Uh, so that should be good. But this week is, is kind of a more, more reserved. Fair enough. Yeah. I, uh, I tried to take it easy this past weekend cause I'm going to be in, uh, in North Carolina with family, uh, for the rest of the week. So it's going to be uh, 
quite a bit of beer. I'm going to grab myself some, uh, some foothills and some other things. Um, but over the weekend, had a uh, had a no complaints from a Green Cheek Beer Company. They're uh, a newer spot down in um, Orange County, and uh, that was a New England style IPA. Had an amalgamator IPA from Beechwood. Uh, they have it in cans now. And I grabbed one of those. Um, had a Founders Breakfast Stout. It's always a favorite of mine during the winter months. Um, and then uh, from Brewery Tarot, the uh, Phil Mishmish. It's a uh, apricot sour, and they make that once a year. And uh, I always enjoy that one significantly. So nothing crazy this week, but uh, but beer nonetheless. I'm actually surprised I didn't have more, but all these afternoon games make it a lot, pretty tough because like, I'm, I'm kind of over the Syracuse game by the time it's... It's time to get out of work on Saturday, and uh, just our games have all been at like noon or three. Yeah, I uh, I wish I could act because to be honest, I know I've said this before. I actually don't mind the noon games because then it's a nine a.m. kickoff for me out here, and then it's just over. Uh, and I can move on my day, win or lose. Um, the issue this week is that I'm on the East Coast for the game, so now Syracuse Boston College is going to ruin the middle of my day, no matter what happens. It was always uh, you know going to do that. That's I mean, true. There's no way Syracuse Boston College is going to be. I would be surprised if this was like a tremendously enjoyable experience. I think even if we win, it's going to be like super frustrating. Ah, <laughs> uh, God, I'm going to have to agree with you. Uh, but on to happier things. Um, Syracuse basketball won again. We uh, were four and zero. It's uh, it feels good that we we were able. I know last week we kind of alluded to the Grizzlies being a uh, a more difficult opponent, and I feel like that really didn't matter in this one. Yeah, I, I had I didn't get to see the first half. It was maybe a, an eight point game to Don, and I was really impressed. Um, obviously, I saw Battle did a lot of work in the first half, um, but finished with twenty five again. Like I said this on Twitter, I expected Battle to put up big scoring numbers. I Not like am this. very pleasantly surprised that he's as efficient as he is. Like this is another game, twenty five points on seventeen shots, hit two of his three threes. Just a really crafty player. Um, super impressed with what he's done. Um, a little weird that he had no assist or no rebounds. I'm not yeah, about that. Like, not really doing else. anything else but scoring. Uh, that's fine. We just need that. Got the Jimmer stat line. He had another another huge rebound win, 48 to 33. Um, you had an awesome performance by Pastel Chukwu, who apparently we are we're telling Chewy. We are is that the nickname that I saw in the comments? I'm fine with. It. I honestly like I I don't even look at the comments during games anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's somebody had, else's purview. He had a, a he came very close. He flirted with a block triple double, twelve, eleven, and eight, um, and was perfect from the field. I think all dunks, and that's fine. If he gets if you get 10, 10 points from if you get you know double digits from past Alchuku, you're probably going to win a game. I would say. Um, just some really like Rosette had another nice game. Um, he's you know efficiency is not his strong suit he needs to hit free throws which is a problem for this team once again after like a couple of years of decent free throw shooting what um, happens when we have so many grad transfers they just know how to hit free apparently. throws they don't get infected yeah. beforehand so overall and then howard i thought howard started slow but after when i turned the game on like he was kind of money after that he ended up with 18 points um six assists so nice game from him so yeah i, I expect this to be a much closer affair and syracuse cruised in the second half and uh, Kendrick Nunn really never got it going. He, he was four for 17 from the field, so he just was completely ineffective, and we uh, teed in on him. Uh, Walker, I think, was the other big player. He was he had 14 points, but it was on 12 shots. So, again, like we, we, we got their two big guards, um, probably to have both of their worst teams of the season if I had to. Yeah, oh, absolutely, it. based on the box scores. So the defense, the defense is very promising, and the rebounding is 
has been a problem for so long. And this team, I mean, obviously we haven't played any like huge teams yet, but it seems to be um, a strength uh, between Chukwu and Brissette and uh, Moyer's shown some rebounding ability and Dolezal. Um, it's a, I, I'm, I'm like still cautiously optimistic, but I'm getting more optimistic uh, by the team here. And I, I don't expect this to be like a, a huge tournament run team, but I think we might surprise people in the ACC and be like a pretty solid club. Yeah, I'd love that. A um, couple questions I do have about this game, though. Um, and I, I want to, first of all, praise the four players that were in double digits, plus Chukwu, I think, all together. Oh, sorry, and Chukwu. That's the four players. Um, we were able to largely do this with a four-man rotation. I mean, like, Dolezal didn't have to actually do anything on the offensive end, and I think that's also interesting. Like, yes, he fouled out, but... Eight rebounds is still, and three blocks is still a really nice bit of work from him. Um, you'd just love for him to actually score some points. But he really didn't have to with Chukwu. I think that's really the balance here. Like, typically, you're not going to get 12 points out of Chukwu, and you're going to get more out of Marek. So to me, like, I'll, I'll take that trade-off. I am cur- curious about the, the low minutes, though, for Howard Washington and Geno Thorpe. That's not a bad thing, but it is just a, a lingering question for me as to why we're seeing lower probably totals than we thought from both of those guys. I think Washington is just probably not quite ready yet, so he might just be kind of the outside looking in for this rotation. Sure, um, especially because he, he's going to be the ninth guy. They might end up shirting him. Um, I'm not sure what's the what's the game limit on that. Like uh, eleven. Okay, I think, so I, think it, I think it's eleven. I want to say because I remember, or it might be ten. I remember like Devo was like one above, or something like the year when he, he got, got hurt. hurt. No, Oh, seven. Yeah, I think Washington also had a DNP, didn't he? He he had a he didn't play in one of the games. Yeah, yeah he, he didn't did. play against Iona. Yeah, so he didn't play in one game. But still, if we're gonna toss him four minutes, I don't know. I'd kind of rather he just just shirts. That's fair. Um, Thorpe, I feel like might be getting the uh, John Dillon treatment, where like if he looks like he's gonna be helpful, he'll play a lot, and if not, he's just not gonna see that much time. Right. Um, and it also I think helped that. Um, Brissett Battle and Howard were all kind of rolling. I mean, Howard had a slow start, but um, those, I mean, obviously, Battle's going to be out there the whole game. Uh, Brissett seems to have Bayheim's trust. I don't know that Howard does, but I also don't know that Bayheim has uh, has a, you know, another option. I um, mean, yeah, he's responding really well to, you know, the extended minutes. I mean, he played 30 minutes today, which is not like the full game type of stuff that he has been doing, but 30 minutes. I mean, he's 7-15 shooting. I'll take that. Six to, Six assists. Um, I mean, I'd like a few more assists from this team, but I'm not going to get, like, you know, super, like, itchy about, like, Frank, you know, hitting almost 50% of his shots and scoring 18 points and being, like, our second-leading scorer. Like, if Frank can score 15 or more and be a second-leading scorer on at least two-thirds of the nights or even a half the nights this year, I think we're doing pretty well, considering, like, I'm not looking to him to be that guy. No, I, I totally agree. Um my one thing, like, the thing that I I wonder if we're going to see, and I know that Beheim is often kind of reluctant to uh, change up his starting lineup, I wonder if we're going to end up seeing Dolezal slide in for Moyer at some point, or if Beheim likes to have his energy off the bench. Because we've seen both with Beheim. We've seen him um, a couple of years ago, we saw, or not a couple, a while ago now, um, the year that Anjanat got uh, benched. He was in the starting lineup for, like, the first, not quite half of the year, and then eventually... He got taken out for Rick Jackson, and then he ended up being a pretty, you know, solid player off the bench. Obviously, this would be kind of the reverse, given kind of Dolzai's, uh role so far as to be 
it's a very lazy comparison to compare him to Kristaps, and I don't think his game will end up being like that. But yeah. right now, he's kind of that energy player. Um, and occasionally, you know, he had, what, 10 points the other night, so it's not like he's, you know, a total non-factor offensively all the time. But he's clearly been, like, down the stretch. I mean, he had 25 minutes tonight versus 12 for Moyer. I do wonder if that's, like, a move we'll, we'll consider making. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. I, I think it's a, it's an interesting move, and I, I think that he adds some versatility that we just don't necessarily usually have from, like, a bigger guy. I mean, yes, he's, like, lighter, but... Still has the height that we're looking for. I know Andrew talked about this a little bit in one of the recaps tonight. Um, was talking about you know the length that, that this team brings overall, and he's definitely part of that. Um, having that sort of value off the bench between him, Sidibe, like there's enough there's enough to really frustrate some teams on on the uh, the defensive end. Like I know Beheim really like he sort of couched things a little bit with these big men um, going into the year when he was at the ACC. Uh, you know, media days, like, he seemed to really, like, hedge a little bit on, on the centers and talk about, you know, you know, like, in the paint, it's going to take some time, the guys are younger, and then it ends up that, like, they've really been a highlight, like, other than Ty's battle being, like, an absolute scoring machine, um, and I think, you know, this will become a national narrative soon if he keeps it up, um, how much he's been able to really pour it on against teams. Um, what we've been able to do in the paint is, is, is pretty impressive, you know, with the bodies we have in there. We have a ton of length. Um, obviously, mid-major teams are definitely going to struggle against that. Um, but there's a lot of teams that just aren't really built for size in the middle right now either. Um, you know, obviously with, you know, depending on how you're going to embrace positionless basketball, uh, you can either go small ball or, like, you can have what we have, which is kind of like a Milwaukee Bucks situation where, you know, everybody's like six five or longer. Yeah, we just, we really don't have the players for small ball especially because we have the lack of shooters but if we can kind of have an inefficiency where you know we just have more length than everyone and we can roll out we had 15 block shots tonight and it's a team that's not that small right like we we looked up the the lineup last week like this was not a tiny mid-major um especially at the guard position they had some big big guards including none who's like six six um and was that i forget who battle like absolutely like had a basically a a, a teamwork uh block in the corner towards the end of the game, but like we were all over the place swatting shots. And when you have a seven-two guy, obviously that's a part of it. And he had eight, but uh, Dolzai seems to have a really natural shot blocking ability from the wing, which is always fun for us. Like if you you know harken back to Wes Johnson and some of those guys, um, Battle had a couple. So yeah, this this length it's the most length we've had in a while, um, and obviously that makes for a pretty fun zone. Um, so that will be interesting to see if that gives. Uh, some more uh, talented teams' issues because in college basketball, most teams don't have the length that the Syracuse team does. Um, and if Chukwu can keep on playing the way he did tonight, like that's that's just a major weapon on the defensive end, and whatever points he gives you uh, are pretty much a bonus. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right there. I, I think that, you know, we've said it before, Chukwu is kind of like a, whatever you get out of him on offense is a bonus. Having 12 points at, out of him, is enormous and beating a team that I actually think like is, is fairly good I mean they're not gonna they're not gonna be world beaters and obviously they lost to our next opponent Toledo um by 13 or so um you know a few nights back so like they're they're not they're probably not like at the you know top third of the MAC but I think as a horizon team they're probably the top in the top two or three in that league um and that's it's it's nothing to necessarily brag about but Oakland's a good team and and you know, I, I think being able to really handle them is a, is a great sign of this team being able to adjust and grow. Um, we beat the Vegas line by by quite a bit. 
um, tonight, which was which was a nice change of pace. Um, I know we kind of kept things pretty close to the vest against Iona. Um, Texas Southern, like, we won that game, obviously, but, like, I feel like we, we never, like, completely, completely buried them. I feel like in this Oakland game, we definitely buried them, um, you know, by the midway point in the, in the second half, and that was really it. So we're winning games in different ways. We're still not scoring a ton, but right now that's not necessarily what we need to do. Um, against a team like Kansas, maybe we will. But uh, I, I think that we'll, we'll deal with that when we have to. Um, I can't say I'm necessarily I'm supremely concerned about anything right now that I, more than I was going in. If anything, I know we alluded to this already. Like I'm, I'm more at ease about some things that I had some concern about going in. Yeah, I'm, I definitely feel a lot better about the team now than I did to start the season. I think we know there are serious limitations, especially offensively, and like we have one super reliable scoring option, which isn't ideal. But uh, he's like about as—I mean, he looks to be as about as reliable as we've had in a long time. Um, and we, you know, we've seen him play in the ACC, so it's not like it's a—it's a total uh, question heading into there. I don't think he'll put up 25 against most ACC teams, but we know he can play on that level, so I'm not worried about that. Um, it's still like, I'm still not like, you know, going crazy over what the, the ceiling for this team is this year, but I do think, uh, I think we've kind of hit a, a fun, an interesting reset button on this program after, uh, a couple, you know, two years that were kind of struggles, um, and the roster is so young. Um, it's, it should be fun either way. I think, I think expectations are, are actually in a good spot for this team, uh, among the fan base. I haven't heard anything too crazy yet. So I think it could be a fun ride to not like have the the weight of the world on this program this year. We can just kind of enjoy it for what it is with four freshmen playing and having battles whole campaign. So it's a little different, but um, I feel pretty good about it. I'm, I'm to leadership would be interesting too because they look pretty good. Um, they're three and zero, and they have uh, two pretty big time scorers, and uh, they've beaten obviously they beat Oakland, who's a pretty you know will be one of the best teams in the horizon, and they also beat St. Joe's, who's also always pretty. Uh, a pretty good program, so I'm interested to see what the Rockets look like on Wednesday. Yeah, they have another uh, contest. They have they're another team with two 20 point scores a night. Um, one of the kids, the Colorado transfer, oh, Treshawn Fletcher. Um, he actually wasn't really lighting it up at Colorado. He's a he's a fifth year senior, not a grad transfer though. He uh, transferred after his junior year at Colorado, sat out last year, and now he'll play this year. Um, he's pretty good, I think. In general, this team just seems like. Um, they do have some scores. They are able to put up points. Uh, that's beneficial. Who the hell is who is this team that they face? I got St. Ohio Northern. The fact they only put up seventy-two points against Ohio Northern, who definitely oh is a D is a D three team. So that's cool. Um, yeah, Toledo, you shouldn't have done that. Um, the fact that you only put up 72 points against a D3 team is problematic, and I'm definitely taking back all the nice shit I just said. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that their 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 closest game was that D3 game. They beat they put up 98 on St. Joe's, and right. then beat uh, they beat uh, Oakland by 12, I think. 13, so, yeah. yeah, but they have you know four double digit stores, three guys over 16 points. Um, Fletcher, the Colorado transfer, uh, looks good. Um, is also averaging like almost nine rebounds a game. Jalen Sanford's a leading store at 23 a game. But we saw similar things from, from the Drizzlies before this game because none was averaging like 30 points a game. I think he was number one in the country at the time. Um, obviously tonight we'll knock him down uh, a number of pegs. Um, I'm not going to get too crazy about a MAC team, but again, like it's actually nice that some of these programs that we're playing in the uh, early season should be like 
pretty, you know, not the worst thing for our our uh, RPI and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, they all should be like top one fifty or one eighty. Yeah, like they'll be contenders in their own conferences. They're really not that. Like Cornell might be the only exception there, um, and even them, I feel like they're probably like they're not going to be a basement dweller. They'll be a top two fifty. Um, no, they didn't look terrible. Like, yeah. I, I, I thought Cornell looked okay for an Ivy. Like we've seen much better Cornell teams, but it didn't look like they'll be like you know the bottom two or three in the Ivy League. And and if you have a couple of those teams, it's not going to kill you. No, but to have not. like if you get like a good a good Toledo team and a good uh, uh, Oakland team that are like contending for the tournament, that'll you know it'll help if this team is on the borderline for that. Yeah, and a good Texas Southern, and like if Georgetown decides not to be terrible. And like there's enough, there's enough quality on here from Maryland and uh, Kansas alone to uh, to really help us out. Um, I, I yeah, I think I'm fine with it. I think I'm happy with the fact that our quality of wins might be actually like, or at least the opponents might be escalating uh, week by like not week by week, but game by game. And uh, and the fact that we're able to to see kind of a linear progress, I know that. That's really not always like something you can do in basketball in particular, but to be able to see us kind of like, you know, rise over time and, and, and beat what looks like better team each game. Um, again, that doesn't mean that it culminates with a win over Kansas um, or a win over any of Maryland, Kansas, or Connecticut, but hopefully two or three. Um, hopefully Kansas. Give is, me UConn, please. I, I, I think we need, I think UConn and Georgetown are, are, are must wins this year because of recent uh, failures. Uh, I'd rather I, I can go one and two in that stretch there with Maryland and Kansas if if the one win is well I'd rather the one win was against Kansas but I, I can deal either way yeah UConn so far they're three and zero oh. um, they've beaten Colgate and Stony Brook by uh, well no they beat Colgate by twelve I don't know how Colgate's supposed to be I assume Adamo Foyle is not suiting up yeah. um, Stony Brook by eight and then they beat BU by nineteen so. Nothing crazy. They play Oregon um, on looks like Thursday. That'll be tough. Oh, they play a weird Thanksgiving game against Oregon on That's ESPNU. Stupid. Yeah. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. Here's two teams that don't matter. Oh, is it part of the uh, the other thing? Oh, it has to be. Yeah, yeah it's part PK, of the, the PK yeah. eighty. Uh, Oregon should wax them. Oh yeah. I I know I said on Twitter the other day like. I would have loved to be part of it if only to get like the script uniforms, but they wouldn't have done the script uniforms. Like they would have totally messed up. No, we up. would have. No, hopefully, hopefully, we wouldn't have gotten the Arkansas. Um, I actually Arkansas, like the Arkansas uh, one. It's just weird that the, the, that the, only, the only one. one. <laughs> but like, yeah, I wouldn't with the whole lineup. You're like, oh, one team has the. It would have been kind of funny to have Otto though. <laughs> I would have been fine with that. Although it wouldn't have worked as well because the the Razorbacks actually like long. And Otto is a circle, um, maybe a stretched out Otto, or like maybe like a, uh, Just a smaller one, like a a couple of Ottos, like a string of Ottos. <laughs> Ottoception. It's it's like a bad no. We could have had like a, a bad uh, like holiday sweater uh, Otto jersey. I don't know. Oh god. <laughs> S- sign, <laughs> sign, so sign me up for that. Um, yeah, I'm. We don't. I don't think we need to project this as uh, Toledo game, but since we're not going to be meeting before this the next like legit game um quick like do you think we can beat maryland this year i haven't really watched maryland play i know they should they're supposed to be pretty good yeah it's um, they're four and oh 
for what it's worth, and I don't have, I don't think it's that much, but ESPN's basketball power index actually has us with a two percent edge chance to win. They yeah. have us at fifty-two percent. Interesting. Um, Maryland's pretty good. I know they've lost a, uh, some big players in the last couple of years, but they've recruited really, really well. Um, oh, they are so Big Ten now. They They're won very a, Big Ten. They, they won. They won a forty-five. Oh no, sorry, that was the wrong. The, wait, what was the final score of this game? Oh, like the ESPN like score thing is like broken. I, if you go on, yeah, they've they've scored at least seventy sits in all their games. Yeah, so. if you saw like if you go on the Maryland uh, like you know clubhouse page for basketball right now, it says they beat Jackson State forty five to thirty eight, and I was gonna like lose my mind <laughs> that it was like they, they did only beat Bucknell by two, and apparently it was a comeback win. That's weird. Uh, they were down fifteen points to Bucknell. Oof. Um. They are they're interesting. Uh, they have Kevin Huerter, who will remember anyone who follows basketball recruiting will remember that's like a guy that Syracuse like. Should we offer him? Should we not? And I think we would have at the end, but Maryland jumped in with one, and and you know can't blame him. He he jumped on it, um, and he's been a really good player for them um, for a couple of years. Well, this is a sophomore year. Um, he's probably playing. It was one of those guys. I think I think the deal was that we were hoping he would go prep for a year, and then we would take him. And instead, Maryland offered him right out of uh, out of high school. He's from Clifton Park, so he's you know a local kid, and he's been doing. He averaged nine points last year. He's averaging twelve this year. He's their second leading scorer, so that'll be interesting for him. Um, Anthony Cohen's their big guy, their leading scorer. Um, not their big guy; he's only six feet tall, um, but eighteen points a game. Um, he's averaging seven rebounds as a six foot tall guy, so that's impressive. Um, yeah, Bruno Fernando has just got a great name. Bruno Fernando is a great name. Um, for, uh, for they have non non UNC <laughs> Justin Jackson um, because there's like a million Justin Jacksons running around out there. Sean Obi isn't he the Duke? He went to Duke, right? That sounds right. Duke transfer. Um, yes, he was actually started at Rice and then played at Duke and now is playing at Maryland huh. and had to sit out a year between all, both of those. Yeah, that that's poor uh, planning. But he, He's only averaging six minutes a game, so he hasn't been a huge factor for them. So they're a good team. I don't know if they're going to be great, but it should be a good game in the Dome. And that'll tell us a lot, because I think they're probably like pretty close to, like, you know, they're a peer program. so um, And should be a tournament team. Peer-ish. I mean, ideally, I mean, like, ideally yeah. <laughs> ideally not. But... I think this year, they're probably a peer program. I, I think that's fair. Um, all right. So before we sign off for the Thanksgiving break, um, Dan, are we beating Boston College? And if so, by how much? And if not, also by how much? Uh, sadly, I don't think so. I think the running, the run defense this last couple of weeks has been um, a major issue. And BC is just really, they're really rolling. Um, I think they've won, what, four, five of six? And yeah. the one loss was by three to NC State. So and they've beaten like a bunch of the teams that we've lost to. So they're they're really playing good football. Adazio's clearly saved his job and and then some. Um, so even without Brown, I think Wade. I, I just don't think the quarterback's that important for them. Yeah. Uh, must be nice in this one situation. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it'll be close. I don't think we're going to do up sixty to them. Hopefully, oh god, if we do. Um, well, if we do, I'll Brian go, Ward should be fired. But that's besides the point. Then, then you have a legitimate conversation. Um, and, yeah. Uh, I'll go BC... I'll go BC 28-24. Yeah. As much as I'd love to see us win this game, we're still not going to... The best we can do now is sixth in the division. 
because we lost the tiebreaker to Florida State. Um, we would win the tiebreaker with Boston College with a win. Um, I'd really hate for this season to have us lose and be in last place, but it seems like that's what's going to happen. Um, Christ. I'm going to go with... Give me 31-24, and I'm not happy about it. Yeah, I, for some reason, I feel like we're all going to be way too emotionally invested in this team that doesn't matter all that much, like, realistically, but matters enough because it's a team that we don't like to lose to and a recruiting rival and a team that we were both in very similar positions, uh, and then we beat Clemson, and we looked like we were, you know, going to be hot shit, and then uh, BC instead takes the the corner turn that we all thought we were taking. So now we're just cold a win shit. here would be, yes, now we are cold. We are cold. <laughs> Syracuse winter gray sky shit. Um, <laughs> at least it's basketball season. Yeah. Um, and BC will hopefully not be this and that again this year. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be a close game, and we will all be very frustrated, and hopefully we will be breathing sighs of relief and not uh, just super glad. I, I, hopefully we feel, we feel like slightly remorseful that the football season's over after this game rather than, oh god, I'm just glad we're done with this. I mean, after the game last Saturday, I honestly could not wait for the season to be over. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's just, it's been a, a, a true roller coaster this year. This um, has been the most difficult season since 2011 for me, yeah. anyway. And yes, like, just... As the, and because in 2011, I was like, I was not doing what I'm doing now. So, like, for me, this has just been, like, an all-encompassing, like, just hell ride. Like, every high, every low. No you have to, like, really live in it. Like, even I'm able to get outside of Syracuse football specifically, and, like, I can enjoy the rest of my Saturday because I'm working and watching, like, the big games. But, I yeah, you you definitely have to, like, stew in it more, which is not fun. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've just been waterboarded for the last 12 weeks. <laughs> I need to... I, I need to get the hell out of this, um, if possible. And I would have loved to get the hell out of it for like a few weeks and revisit it with a ball game, but it's fine. I, uh, I'm still very optimistic about the program, and I can't necessarily complain about the Clemson win, so I'm not going to like say that I wish the season never happened, because that's not true. Um, I always look forward to football season. I always look forward to Syracuse football season in particular. I know how to find highlights and other things that happen around the country because if you don't, you'll be a very miserable Syracuse football fan. Um, but at this point, like, be sad it's over, but be happy you don't have to deal with the emotional kind of just gymnastics that, that come with it every week. Um, and look forward to what should, knock on wood, be an interesting um, early signing day. Remember, everybody, uh, we'll have more coverage on that in December, but seems like there's going to be a pretty decent amount of uh, recruits signing across the country um, in December, which could really throw everybody for a loop. Um, could also help us out a little bit, um, because if we don't have everybody sign, um, there's not necessarily going to be a ton of spots at the bigger schools available for them to jump to. Uh, but that's a conversation for another day. So we'll uh, we'll leave it at that before we, again, head off into the holiday. Yeah, it's actually kind of nice that they give us, I mean, the early signing day thing is good for a number of reasons. It definitely should be a good thing for Syracuse. But having, like, that the signing day, everyone always wins on signing day. Like, no one's ever, even if your class is, like, not good on paper, like, you find ways to spin it. So now we're getting unless two you're, those, like... Unless you're, uh, what's-his-face? Uh, who the hell was it? Oh, no, it was when you freeze, and, and he, he lost eventually. Oh, yeah, I mean, everyone <laughs> that wasn't at Ole Miss knew Hugh Freeze had lost on signing day. Well, Hugh Freeze, said, Hugh Freeze said he lost on signing oh, day. Oh, right, he did. I forgot about that. <laughs> he, he, took, he took the uh, occasion where you can't lose, and he, he, lo- he took the L himself. 
he probably made some some interesting phone calls that night. So, oh boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Hugh Freeze is not coaching our team. I am interested to see where Hugh Freeze ends up getting. Someone was saying that he's going to end up getting a job like this year. I'm like, that seems that seems way too early. <laughs> yeah, I'm but still, I'm still thinking that show cause might show up. Yo, that too. Like, it, but if you're like a if you're like a conference USA school, like maybe if you're like desperate to get like a, a fun year under your belt. But What's up, UTEP? Yeah. Maybe that'd be something. <laughs> that'd be like a that'd be like a like a, a you know peak TV. Like there's too much too much stuff on TV, so we're gonna have now have a show about. Uh, a, I actually like kind of want to write this show, like a renegade college football coach trying to get his next stop shot out of like a like a crappy program. Just do it out Just in the out in the wastelands of Texas. This this sounds except like you make his name. Uh, well. I mean, I know. Yeah, I know what you could do is you could just make it like Friday Night Lights, twenty, thirty years in the future. It's Bobby Paterno. <laughs> oh, I know. I <laughs> that might have too much baggage in a number of ways. Uh, anyway, um, Dan, any other thoughts before we uh, depart? No, excited for the holiday. Excited for uh, the non-Syracuse games and uh, basketball season. Seems like it might be fun. So it's all all that's good. That is what I'm thankful for. Basketball season. Uh, yes. <laughs> never thought I'd Near, say that. Syracuse. I don't know. That's that's a pretty pretty common Syracuse mantra. Agreed. Um, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you everybody for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk. Have a happy Thanksgiving and go Orange. Go Orange. Up to 70% off. That's right, at Court Furniture Clearance Center. Get up to 70% off new retail prices and choose from a wide variety of previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. All items are court certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Make the smart choice and visit one of our five locations in the DMV or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.